0: Thanks, Trevor. And good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. Thanks for uh, choosing uh, to be here at our 9.30 a.m. service. Uh, as Trevor just prayed, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors. If I've not met you, would love to to meet you after the service at the Connect table intense So come by and say hello. Uh, this is our first Sunday uh, for three services, and so I'm glad you've come to the inaugural 9.30 a.m. service. Uh, and let me say uh, a special welcome, college students, uh, many of you who are here uh, this morning. Uh, come back for the college luncheon if you can. If you can't, we understand. But uh, as Evan said, there's a gift bag for all college students uh, outside and to the left. And so grab that. Mikhail will be out there. We'd love for you to just uh, grab that as a, uh, as a welcome back to the new year. Uh, we are excited about launching into this new ministry year as a church. Uh, all of our city groups, Bible studies, the formation offerings that you heard about earlier uh, are going to launch the week of September 10th. And so let me encourage you to go ahead and sign up. For city groups, Bible studies, emotionally healthy spirituality, uh, you don't want to miss these are great ways to connect more deeply into the life of our church uh, and and be a part of community and being being a part of our church family. And we're going to begin also a fall sermon series on September 10th titled Encountering Jesus. Uh, Our plan is to take 12 weeks this fall and focus in on the life and the person of Christ. It is tempting to get fixated on cultural issues, political issues, even theological issues. And so uh, we want to spend some time this fall focusing on the clearest expression of the gospel that God has given us, which is Jesus Christ, God made flesh, who walked among us perfectly and who reveals to us the path and the way of life. And so I hope you'll join us this fall as we uh, launch into that September 10th. This morning... As we welcome back college students into a new year and realize that many of us have had children uh, who began a new year of school already, and we as a church are excited about launching into this new ministry year. Uh, by the way, if you didn't know, Christ Central Church is, ex- is celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year, which is, yeah, we can celebrate that. Which is very exciting, and we look forward to just kind of celebrating God's faithfulness and telling stories about how he's been at work uh, in and through us over the past 10 years. And so in light of all of what I just said, uh, this morning I want to preach on a psalm that I think gives us a vision for living, uh, that I think we can apply to this new year together. It's a psalm that invites us to count our days, to count our years so that we might live fully today. And so if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to look at Psalm 90, verses 12 to 17 together. Just the end of this psalm. This is God's word to us this morning. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Pray with me. Lord God, we... Need you to speak to us this morning. So, Holy Spirit, illumine the scriptures that were just read. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are soft and able to receive so that we might be transformed as Christ and Christ alone is exalted in this time. We pray that the words of my mouth as the preacher, the meditation of all of our hearts as we seek to listen to you would be pleasing. To you in this time, you are our Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer, and we need to hear from you. So speak. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You can have a seat. Well, a few weeks ago, uh, I was with a group of seven friends, and we were primarily together uh, to play golf, but it also happened to be my 45th birthday. Uh, 45 is getting real, getting real. Uh, And after this round of golf, a a good friend got attention of the table. And he said, okay, birthday man, uh, as you look back at the past year, what is something that you've learned or something that's become more true of you? It was a great question. It caused me to pause and to reflect on the past 365 days. And I answered, and then I proceeded to say, wait, wait, I don't want to be the only one to answer that question. I want all of us to answer that question. I would love to hear from everybody. What's something that's become more true for you or something that you've learned in the past 365 days? And everybody went around the table sharing uh, their response. And it was a great night, great conversation as we reflected on the past year. Birthdays have a way of making you stop and literally count your days. I am 45 years old and 16 days. I've been alive for 16,452 days. Now, birthdays aren't the only thing that make you stop and count your days. Anniversaries can as well. My wife and I are celebrating our 12-year anniversary, 4,383 days married. Come on, you can celebrate. come on with that one. Don't clap for 45, you can clap for 12, right? As a church, I just said, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary, 3,653 days as a church. And I think there are other important markers like the first day of school, the last day of school that can make you count your days having a grandchild or entering into retirement can make you pause reflect and count your days now depending on where you find yourself in life we can all treat time differently in a very general way if you are in your first third of life here this morning which means I would characterize that as under 30 you can tend to think you have all the time in the world tons of life before you I know those of you who are in high school and in college probably don't really think about your time very often. I can remember being 18 and thinking I was invincible and that, that life was this wide open field in, in front of me. And I'm not saying that is a shaming comment. I think that there's something really beautiful uh, about this first third of life. It's just a reality to show how, where we are in life impacts how we think about, about time. Now, if you're in your second third of life, 30 to 60, this is where I find myself. And we often find ourselves searching and longing for time for ourselves. And the demands of of life press down upon us. Jobs, family, children, finances. And we find ourselves grinding in life. And the days feel long, the years fly by, and we all just long for a little bit of me time. And if you're in your third third of life, which I would say 60 to 90, you might find yourself looking back at the time you've lived with some gratitude. Maybe also with some regret. And you're wondering how much time you have left. And you understand the words of Psalm 90 verse 5 more than anyone, which says that our days and our years are like a dream. And so this morning, I want us to look at Psalm 90 as it invites us, no matter where we find ourselves, first, third, second, third, third, third of life, to count your days so that you can live fully today. Psalm 90 is the only psalm in the book of Psalms that's associated with Moses. It's not necessarily written by Moses, but it's associated with him. And Psalm 90 is all about the concept of time. Verse 1, I'm not throwing a lot of numbers out at you, but verse 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, 9, 10, 12, 14, 15, and 16 all have words or phrases related to time. And that says it's associated with Moses. It's of significance to realize that in God's providence, Moses ran out of time, dying before he ever entered the promised land. Yet God would remain faithful to his promise to lead Israel into the promised land. And then Israel, who would be reading these words, would later find themselves in exile under the rule of Babylon and Assyria because of their rebellion. And Israel would wonder what God was doing and if God would restore them as his people and in their land. And, and so here's what both Moses and Israel knew firsthand. Life is brief and life can be filled with pain and suffering. That we do not know the days we have here on earth, nor do we know what those days will look like. Now they also knew that death was coming. Death is the great equalizer, right? Try as we can to deny death or to repress the reality of death. We will all face it, right? Despite many tech billionaires' investments over the last 20 years to advance immortality, right, we will face death. It's coming for us all. Now, we might prolong life with medical advancements, but death is coming. And I know as I say that, that that is not a popular statement. In an essay titled, The Pornography of Death, anthropologist Jeffrey Gore argued that death has replaced sex as the most taboo topic of our modern age. It's the most taboo topic. We live in a culture that tends to deny death and repress the reality of death. So two things Moses and Israel knew. Life is tragic, death is coming. But the last thing they knew was that God is faithful, that God is faithfully governing and leading each of us and faithfully governing his world. And when I answered that question on my 45th birthday of what I had learned or what had become more true in the last 365 days, I said these words, life is tragic, God is faithful. And I unknowingly was referencing Psalm 90. I hadn't, hadn't begun to prepare for this sermon yet. But my answer to my good friends is that in the past 365 days, I have felt the pains of this world in more acute ways than ever before. Close people going through divorces, my father having a stroke, fractured relationships, friends and congregants diagnosed with cancer, the tragic death of a close friend's nine-year-old daughter, the death of one of my heroes in the faith, and the multiple, multiple deaths of family members of close friends. Yet in this reality, and knowing that death is coming my way as well, I have experienced more than ever the faithfulness of our God. And the question that Psalm 90 helps us answer is, how do we live with the present realities of this life, the coming reality of death, in a world governed by a faithful God? And the answer is, we live by counting our days so that we can live fully today. And as we count our days, God gifts us three things. Wisdom, satisfaction, and meaning. Let's look first at wisdom. Look at verse 12. The psalmist writes, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. The psalmist here doesn't mean simply to enumerate the sequence of days as if to mark off each day of your life with an X. Now more is being required here. It means to slow down. It means to notice each passing day and each new day, to savor each and every day, knowing that this life will end. As verse 10 in Psalm 90 says, the years of our life are soon gone and we fly away. We slow down and we savor today because the one thing we know is that we have today. And as we do, God gifts us a heart of wisdom. Do you catch that phrase, a heart of wisdom? of wisdom because becoming wise is not about having right information you can have right logic and come to the wrong conclusions becoming wise is a matter of the heart and counting our days is surrendering to our weakness as humanity to our frailty it is surrendering to the truth of verse 2 in Psalm 90 that says you God return man to dust a heart of wisdom confesses we are mortal we are finite and there is only one who is immortal invisible God only wise and what I'm talking about is humility humility it is the prerequisite for a heart of wisdom and without humility we're all tempted to play God see humility says I'm not the measure of all things I'm not the center of all things God is And when we're in a humble posture, that is when we're open to God's correction, to God's leading, and to God's guidance. It is the fool, as the Proverbs say, who lives life with the self at the center. It is the fool who does not have ears to receive instruction nor a heart to receive instruction. It is counting our days, It gives us a posture of humility. We're finite. God is infinite. It's why Proverbs 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, reverencing God, worshiping God, a life surrendered to God is the beginning of wisdom. It's not the first step and then we graduate from it. It's the beginning, meaning it is the foundation for wisdom. And if we fear anything besides God, if we worship anything besides God, it's the beginning of foolishness heart of wisdom is surrender to God. It's accepting life on life's terms and then trusting God as the center of all things as we seek to navigate a very complex world in relationship with God at the center. By the way, wisdom is often learned in the school of hard knocks, right? It's why Uh, We say the the older you get, the wiser you can become. It's not because the older you get, all of a sudden you have all the answers. On the contrary, you live long enough, you're humbled by the tragic world in which we live. You're humbled to learn you actually don't know as much as you thought you did. Wise, Wise people aren't those with all the answers. It's those who are humbled and surrendered to God. A heart of wisdom accepts life on life's terms, life as it comes. It's a gift that God gives us as we count our days. And we seek to navigate today the very complexities of this life as God is in the center of our life. The second gift that God gives us for today is not just wisdom, but it's satisfaction. Look at verse 14. So Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Mick Jagger famously saying, I can't get no satisfaction, Right? I can't get no, right? No satisfaction. My attempt to sing, that's the one time I'm gonna sing, I'm just kidding. Um, Thank you. you. (laughs) Uh, But we all, all have this just longing to be satisfied, to be glad, to be happy, to be fulfilled. And we spend our life chasing it, but we look for it in all of the wrong places. And we believe if we can just find the right group of friends as you're on campus, if you can just make the best grades, if you can have enough money, if you can get the right job, if you can accomplish those certain projects you've been wanting to accomplish, if you can fall in love, find the perfect spouse, raise the perfect kids, retire early in that ideal spot, then you'll be satisfied. But all these things are, as the prophet Jeremiah says, broken cisterns that hold no water. They hold no water. Many of you know. of of, of obtaining what you were pursuing for satisfaction. You got it, but you were left still wanting. Broken cisterns that hold no water will never fully quench our thirst. The psalmist tells us how to find satisfaction. It's to count our days, to count your morning, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that each and every morning we can begin again. Every morning we savor the day and we relish in the truth of God's steadfast love. The Hebrew word for love is hesed, it means loyal, unchanging love. Our days will change, our circumstances will change. Your friendships, your jobs, how you feel in your marriage, your family dynamics, your health. All of these things can fluctuate like the stock market day to day. The only thing that will not change is God's steadfast, unfailing love toward you. You and I, we don't know what this year holds for us, but here's what we do know, and here's what we can hold on to God loves you. He loves you, which means. Each and every day can begin with deep satisfaction. You don't have to wake up on a new day and start searching for satisfaction in all the wrong places. And you don't have to wait till the end of your day and reflect back and go, I had a pretty satisfying day. You can begin each day satisfied. Why? Because God loves you no matter what. You can wake up every day and the first thing you do is remind yourself of God's steadfast love. Brothers and sisters, do you you believe this? That no matter what happens in your life and around you, God is loyal and he's steadfast and he's unchanging in his love toward you. So let me encourage you this week to try something. Each morning I want you to wake up and the first thing that you do is pray, God, satisfy me this morning with your steadfast love. God, satisfy me deeply with your unchanging, loyal love, and may God gift you satisfaction as you pray that. The last thing God gifts us when we count our days is not just wisdom and satisfaction, but its meaning. Look at verse 17. It says, Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. As we begin a new day, we count our days so that our days can count. We all want our days to matter. We all long for meaning in the things we put our mind and our heart and our energy and life toward. And so we can pray God, pour out your blessing, pour out your presence on us, and establish the work of our hands. Now, this word establish in Hebrew, it means to endure or to last. It's the reversal of the imagery that we see early on in Psalm 90 that speaks of life in our days as fleeting and being swept away, something that fades and withers. Verse 17 is a picture of restoration and renewal. So here's what the psalmist is saying. is as God blesses us. As God pours out his presence upon us, we enter today personally renewed, satisfied in his love, Fearing the Lord and walking in wisdom. And then we contend for a world that is broken and filled with darkness. We contend for the world knowing that our days count. We enter our classes and our jobs, our houses and our neighborhoods and our grocery stores. We interact with classmates and co-workers, with our children and our neighbors and our friends and our strangers. And we carry with us God's presence And we live with hope and vision of seeing what is broken and darkened, reversed and undone. We seek to see God's kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. And the promise of verse 17 is that all we do in and out of love for God and love of others and for God's kingdom will remain, it will endure. Do you want meaning? It's found in living for the unshakable and enduring kingdom of God as you love all people and as you live in all places and spheres that he has placed you. And so my prayer for you as you begin this year is no matter where you find yourself, in the first third or second third or the third third of life, is that you and I would experience the presence and the favor of the Lord our God in very real ways. Alone with God in his word, or in prayer, or when you're walking a trail, or when you're with community in a Bible study, or you're around a dinner table, or when we're here on Sunday mornings in worship and prayer and word preached and sacraments administered, that God would bring deep personal renewal in all of our lives, which would lead us not to just live as mere consumers in this world, but to live for God and to contend in each new day for God to bring renewal to all people and in all places because your life and my life matters. Your life counts. I've been praying, verse 17, for Christ Central Church over the past number of months as we've been getting ready for this year. Our staff and leaders have been praying this for this new ministry year. It's our 10-year anniversary. We count 3,653 days. And I'm praying that God would bring deep personal renewal that leads to corporate renewal that fuels each of us to live for what counts so that by God's grace he might establish us as his church in this city for not just 10 more years but for 100 plus more years that God would establish the work of our hands. Psalm 90 is associated with Moses. I imagine... An old Moses, looking back over his life, and he's telling Israel, the people of God, count your days. Life is brief. It's full of pain and suffering. Death is coming, but God is faithful. I had the privilege the last six years to gather with a group of 10 pastors annually to spend a day with Tim Keller, one of my spiritual heroes. He died this past May. And this past January, we were together with him and he said to us, Kathy, his wife, he said, Kathy and I would never want to go back to the life we had before I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So the past number of years as I have faced death, it has not only changed my prayer life and my spiritual life, it's changed everything. And then he said, we we are having so much of a better life now than ever. He said, the presence of God is more real to him than ever each day is a gift treasured as he rested in God's love, knowing that death was soon coming, but that he would then be face-to-face with Jesus. Tim Keller's last day on earth was May 19, 2023. He lived 26,536 days. And he shared with us that his best days were spent counting his days. Knowing the pain of this world and the reality of his coming death but he was resting in the faithfulness and love of his God. Last week, I was able to go to his memorial service in New York City. Some of you streamed the service and Kathy got up and she shared these encouraging words with everyone. She said, I I share these words with my children and I want to share them with you. She goes, Tim's grave is over here in New York, tucked away. She said, please, I don't want my children or any of you going and looking for Tim's grave so that you can start talking to Tim as though he's six feet underground, you will be talking to someone who's not there. He's not dead, but he's alive. And he's with Christ and in his kingdom. Brothers and sisters, Jesus lived. He died. And he rose and he's going to come again. And this good news declares that death has been defeated and death has lost its sting. Pain, sin, and evil will not prevail. Christ and his kingdom will. So no matter what today holds, no matter the changes that take place from day to day, count your days to live fully today. Look to Jesus and may the spirit of the risen Christ fall fresh on us. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us that we might live with wisdom, deeply satisfied in his love, and that he would establish the work of our hands. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would give us the humility that then leads to wisdom. Lord, give us a deep, deep satisfaction in your unchanging love. And Lord, would you renew us and strengthen us so that as we're sent out today and every day to live with meaning and purpose, to love you, to love others, and live for a kingdom that is unshakable and enduring. It's in your name we pray, amen.